0: some of you don't, don't be scared. You're like, um, it's already ten twenty. That guy's just now getting started with a sermon. <laughs> we're going to be all right. Promise. Okay. Hey, listen, in case you haven't picked up on the theme, we're talking revival. Okay. Revival gets a bad rap. Uh, It's misunderstood, um, and it's misunderstood, well, when we think revival, when I use the word revival, uh, most of you probably, now I don't know if this is true for every single one of you, but if you're like me, you probably automatically in your head, you go to tent meetings, right, Where, where they roll into town, and they put up the big tents, and the traveling preacher comes in, and there is almost always... If in your brain it happens the way it does in mine, there's a lot of whooping and right? um, there's a hollering, uh, there, right? There's a lot of casting out of things, right? Demons be gone. Uh, maybe there's some miraculous healings and whatnot, and you know, okay, look. Now we've got to have a whole other sermon about miraculous gifts and things like that. No, we're not going to do that today. Here's what I'll say about that. Um, I'm not suggesting that those things don't happen, okay? Uh, Some will tell you that they happen frequently. Some will tell you that all of those gifts have ceased. I am one of those guys that say, well, um, those gifts haven't necessarily ceased, um, but that we should have a healthy amount of skepticism and caution when viewing those gifts. We've actually done sermons on that before. You can go back and look online. Not the point. Point is, when we think revival, though, we think those things. But that's not really what revival is all about. So let's just take a look here. What revival is, very simply, if we just look at the definition of revival, revival is an improvement in the condition or strength of something, okay? Or an instance of something becoming popular, active, or important again. Not important in nature, but important in the view of people, okay? Or a new production of an old play. So in this instance, um, because I can, I'm going to say that um, the Cubs have experienced a revival of sorts over the last couple of years, right? Uh, that's there's a definite improvement in the condition or the strength of that franchise, right? So you get the idea. So revival doesn't have to mean something kooky, okay? Not that there's anything wrong. You want to hey go to a tent meeting? Interesting times, okay? But when I say revival. And I say that we're on the cusp of revival, and I say that we need revival. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about with revival is simply the idea of a spark. Think of it like a matchbook. Think of it like a matchbook where one match gets lit, but where it it doesn't just stay with one match, but it spreads. And before you know it, the whole book is up in flames. When I talk revival, that's what we're talking about. There's two kinds of revival. Revival, first, it's personal. I ask God for revival in my own life daily. Well, I I wish it was daily. Sometimes it spreads out a little bit more than that. Most daily. But personal revival then in a moment where a grand majority of people in a congregation start seeking God for personal revival, then it's like the matchbook goes up. And when we've got churches that start seeking revival, then it's like the community goes up. This is where we're at, church, and this is what I'm asking of you, because it's a big deal. So I'm asking you for revival. Uh, and, and I know it's a tall order, and it's even worse than you thought. And it's worse than you thought because um, when you start acting in a way um, that, that pours forth when you seek revival, you are going to annoy a lot of people, okay? Um, you're going to annoy a lot of people on both fronts. You're going to annoy people when you, start, when you start acting passionately about the gospel. You are going to irritate all kinds of folks, when you start acting passionately about the gospel, you are going to irritate non-Christians because they don't believe you. They don't necessarily want what you have or they don't think they need what you have. Okay, And we're praying that the Holy Spirit will, will change the way they think. But when we start acting passionately about the gospel, folks that don't care about the gospel are going to think, man, you're weird and you're annoying and we want you to go away. But what's worse, the people that really get mad when we act passionately about the gospel, the people that really get fed up with us, more often than not, are Christians. I mean, I need you to track that. It's awkward. But more often than not, the people that really get frustrated at sold-out Christians who are living for the gospel above everything else. The people that get really annoyed with them are Christians who prefer to keep their faith um, in a Sunday morning box. And the reason for that is because there's this grand tension that happens. When I see what somebody else is doing and I see what I'm doing, and I see how I'm living, and I, we're supposed to be living for the same God of the universe, and, and, and there's this disconnect, there's this dissonance between how they're doing it and how I'm doing it, and I get irritated at them for putting that in front of my face. Sometimes we even go so far as to say that those people need to settle down. If we're really trying to be spiritual, we might say, well, they're doing way more harm than good. They're pushing people away. The problem with that is they're not. It just, I don't like what I see. But revival is necessary, and revival, just so you understand this, it's all about the kingdom. Okay, It's all about the kingdom of God. Because we live in this weird place. We live in a very weird time in history. I said that, and I'm like, I'm not bad-mouthing Vinton's great. Okay, I don't mean that we live in like the weird town of Vinton, but we live in this weird time in history, this weird place where we are living in a kingdom that exists, but the kingdom doesn't exist in full yet. The metaphor will break down all over the place, but it's like we're beta testing. Okay? If you've ever been a part of a group that beta tested something, it's like we, we've, we've got it, we're operating under this system, nobody else is yet. We're dealing with this system right here and we live in it and we're waiting for it to come in full. That's what we're doing with the kingdom. We live in the kingdom, we operate in the kingdom, but the kingdom does not, has not come in full yet. The kingdom has come with Jesus, but the kingdom hasn't come in full yet and the kingdom won't come in full until Jesus returns. Our job, our mission, living in this yes, but not quite all the way yet kingdom is to advance the cause of Christ. Amen. That's what we are supposed to do. That's all we're supposed to do. That's the purpose of why we live here. That's it. Okay, so understand what's, what's happening now in this kingdom. In fact, I, I want you to think of your role a little bit like John the Baptist 2.0. You remember John the Baptist? You don't have to wear the camel hair. You don't have to eat locusts and honey. In fact, I'd prefer you didn't. People think Christians are weird enough already. Okay? But, I mean, they do. They think we're weird. Um, don't add to it. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of yourself as John the Baptist. John the Baptist, whose job was to announce the coming of Jesus. In the desert, in the wilderness, proclaiming the coming of Jesus. We're doing the same thing. We're John the Baptist. We're, we're in 2.0 mode. We are proclaiming the coming of Jesus. We are proclaiming the kingdom of God. We are proclaiming the gospel that changes lives and that saves, all the while looking for the coming of Jesus. Remember, that's what John did. He stood stood there and he he preached and he told you, but somebody else is coming who's far greater than I am, whose, whose shoes I'm not even fit to tie. and i'm telling you about jesus well that that's what we do we talk we work we share jesus all the while with an eye towards jesus return that's what advent means is looking for the coming of something great that's why we'll be getting into an Advent series called Kingdom Collision. This is kind of the prequel to that as we as we understand what we're going to be talking about in Advent. But this is all about the kingdom. And by the way, if you've ever been bored, you ever been bored with your life? You ever thought, well, this can't be all there is. It's pretty mundane. It's pretty home. I'm going to imagine, as a Christian, it's because you're not living in the kingdom. Because the reality of the kingdom is this. Ken Hemphill said this. He uh, was the president of the Southern Baptist Convention for a long time. Um, but he says this, in the kingdom of God, I've found something far superior to personal fulfillment. I found the heart of God and the reason for being here. If you've ever wondered why you exist, if you've ever had that existential crisis where you've had to wrestle with what's your purpose for being, that is your purpose for being. The kingdom of God is your purpose for for being. Your reason for being here is to advance the kingdom. Young people, don't waste time like I did. I was in my early 30s before I figured this out, okay? Some of you are thinking, I wish I'd figured it out by then. It's okay. I'm just saying, if you're young, don't waste your time understand now the reason you exist is to advance the kingdom if you're not sure what your purpose in life is okay i can tell you what your purpose in life is it's to advance the kingdom it's why you're here if you're retired and you're wondering what's next for you stop it i'll tell you what's next for you i'm gracious that way it's so that you can advance the kingdom of God. You're dissatisfied in your career and you're not sure what it is that God has you doing in that career. I might encourage you to look at it this way. Perhaps you are in that career right now because it affords you the opportunity to be what you're really about. Carrie and I have this conversation sometimes. It's like, I do my job. I don't love my job, but I do my job. That was okay to share, right? Okay. Because <laughs> I could also say, I'm just kidding. Right? But this job, there's no on call. There's no weekends. There's no holidays. There's no, um, I got to go work in the middle of the night and do all these things. So why is it that God has me in a job that's, that's eight to five Monday through Friday? You know what? Maybe the reason God has you in that job that's eight to five Monday through Friday, whoever you are, it's not because it's going to be the most exciting job you've ever had, but it's because there's a better job, a bigger job that supersedes that one that you are supposed to be a part of every day. And maybe that job affords you the opportunity to be about the kingdom of God and advancing it. Listen to me. This is your reason for being. The church and people that make up the church should never be confused about why they are people outside the church, people from outside the church that have no idea what their purpose is. You, listen to me, you know what your purpose is. Your purpose is the kingdom, and this is a big deal. And here's what, here's what Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew 10, 5 through 8. This is, we talked about this a little bit um, a, a few weeks ago in a different context, but this is their moment He's about to send them out. He's about to get them after it. They're going to get to work. They're going to do some stuff. And he says, look, um, go out, you know, be like wise, right? Because there are wolves out there looking to devour you, but you're going to go and you're going to be on mission. This is the time for them to get it done. And so Jesus sent out 12 and he says this, don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Now, Don't get stuck there. What I found is this is a a piece of scripture that most people tend to gloss over. Most people tend to gloss over this piece of scripture or other scriptures like this. And the reason for that, frankly, is because they read this first part and they don't really know what it means. They don't really know what it means. Okay. So they, they tend to just skip right over it to a degree. And, and so they say, well, this, this is for a different time because now we, we, you know, everybody gets the gospel now. So that's for a different time. So I'm going to skip right over and I'm not going to worry about it. Don't get derailed because you're not sure what that's talking about. That simply is a statement that says it's not time for the Gentiles yet. And there are a lot of reasons why it wasn't time for the Gentiles yet. Gentiles, by the way, and the Samaritans, basically everybody that's not Jewish is what Jesus is talking about. He's saying only talk to the Jews about the kingdom of God right now. And it's not that he doesn't love other people. It's not that the gospel is not for other people. He loves them. It's for them, but it's not time yet. And it's not time yet because this is the fulfillment of everything the Old Testament was to be about. Everything the Old Testament was about was about the coming of this moment, this Messiah, this person Jesus. He was coming. Everybody knew he was coming. This is the moment. Jesus. Read through Hebrews. The better covenant, the better sacrifice, the better high priest. Jesus is the best everything. He's everything the Jews have been waiting for. It's not a. Listen, Christianity is not a new religion for the early church. Sometimes we think, okay, so we had all of this time, and then we get to about, you know, a hundred. AD, and all of a sudden we have a new church, a new religion. No. Christianity is the fulfillment of Judaism. That's that's all it ever was. That's what it is. That's what it's supposed to be. It's like Judaism has come to its fullness in Christ. And so that's what he says. He says, go tell them that it's here, what they've been waiting for, what the scriptures talked about, what they've been longing for. It's now. It's arrived. Go tell them this. So that's why he says, go to the lost sheep of Israel. And he says, go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is near. It's now. It's happening. These are the words that John the Baptist, John the Baptist has been using when he's been preaching repent because the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is brought with Jesus. The kingdom of God comes in, it sweeps in with the person of Jesus. So go tell them that the kingdom of heaven is near. And then I love this part. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. It's another reason why we skip over this text, right? We're like, well, I've never been able to raise somebody from the dead. Like, never. I don't even know anybody with leprosy. Certainly never been able to cure that, right? I can cure the sick with (laughs) Z-packs, but that's it. And I've I don't think, ever met a demon-possessed person that needed to be cast out. And so we we read this, and again, we say, well, this is something for a different time. It's something for a different time, a different place. We read it, it's good background knowledge to have, but we quickly move on. But no, 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 this is actually um, text for us for the church. This is what we're told to do. We're told to go and tell people that the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of God is near. Near there, when you look at the original Greek, near does not mean it's close by. Near means the moment. It's here. It's among us. Near, near is not like, oh, hey, like one year from now, the kingdom of God will be here. No, near is like, it's surrounding us. The kingdom of heaven is near. Okay, so tell people the kingdom of heaven is near and raise people from the dead. And you know what? I don't think, I mean, God will do what God's going to do, but I don't think I'm ever going to raise someone from the dead. But when I share the gospel, I raise people from the dead. It's a different kind of dead. But do we really, I mean, do you really understand that? The people that don't have Jesus... They're dead. They are spiritually dead. Spiritual death equals eternal suffering. We don't like to think about it. We don't like to talk about it. But spiritual death equals eternal suffering. And when I share the gospel, when I share Jesus, I, I, I'm sharing life. He says, raise people from the dead Free them from the bonds of sin and slavery. Break the chain of, of influence that sin has in their life. Share life and truth. That's the thing here. And you, you know what it always starts with? It always starts with repentance. The kingdom of God, the message of the kingdom always starts with repentance. This is why I asked you to pray for clean hands and clean hearts this morning. Because you, listen to me, you are useless in the cause of advancing the kingdom when you harbor sin in your life. Some of us have had that conversation. I want God to use me. I want God to do things through me. I want, I want, I want God to, to make a difference through my life into other people's lives. I want, I want to touch people with the gospel. I want them to be different because of me. Fine and good, but when you harbor sin in your life, when you don't repent, you are useless in the advance of the kingdom. It just is what it is. You're useless in pushing the kingdom forward if you harbor sin. You've got to clean yourself. So that you can be working in the kingdom. Well, we'll keep going. Some of you, so so here here's the thing. We're like, well, Matt, the kingdom sounds hard. You're like, it, it sounds pretty hard. You're like, you know, you're you're not being very encouraging here. Right? You're like, okay, well, we gotta repent, we gotta do this stuff, we gotta do all of this. Right? I get it. It is hard. I just, I need you to know something. This whole thing is more serious than I think we realize. See, I think we're on the, and we're on the precipice of this, okay? And if you're visiting here today, again, this is just something you need to know about this church. If you haven't been here very long, you just need to drill down on this. Um, listen, God has a lot of things to say in the Bible, um, and the fact that Jesus forgives us of sins and that we're free, I mean, that's all good-feeling stuff. We, we are all going to be motivated by that. But there is nothing about this that's easy. There's nothing about this that's, that's good-feeling. There's nothing about this that's like, hey, let me pet your ego a little bit and tell you how special and great you are. That's not what this is. Yes, God loves you. Yes, he values you. Yes, he thinks you're unique and special. Yes, he created you personally. You are his workmanship. You are his masterpiece. Yes, God feels that way about you. But this isn't isn't a list of ways to feel good about yourself. This is a list of ways. This is is the story of how you glorify and honor God. And if you've been coming here because you think, well, I'll come to church and I get to feel better about myself, then you're missing it. Because what you should be thinking is, I'm going to come to church and I'm going to figure out how to glorify God. God. I'm going to come to service, and I'm going to figure out how to honor God above everything else. I'm going to show up here, and I'm going to figure out how to announce the kingdom of heaven as near. And I'm going to come here, and I'm going to figure out how to take dead people and make them alive again. I'm going to figure out how to take somebody that is destined for an eternity away from God and bring them into the fold. I'm going to come here, and I'm going to figure out how to make a difference, not just for the next couple of years, but that lasts eternally. That's what this is. Okay, I, 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 listen. It doesn't offend me if that's if that's not what you thought this was. But but if you and I have been having a disconnect, maybe that's why. Right? If if you've been thinking like, okay, wait a minute, this we should be singing familiar songs that we like. And and we should we should be doing some things that that you know are a little uh-uh. Listen, that's not why we exist. It's just not why we exist. There's a gospel to be advanced. I mean, even even this this area up here gets a little confusing. We're like, well, how come, you know, we're going to decorate for Christmas in a couple of weeks. I know, some of you have already decorated for Christmas. You can admit it. Who is it? She's just Sherry. She's the only one. I'm, I'm going to admit something to you. This week, I turned on 104.5 because they've got Christmas music on already. I felt ashamed. I asked for forgiveness and I turned it off right away. Okay. I did. I turned it off right away. I, I repented It's okay, but it's confession time. But here's the thing, Christmas is, listen, I don't know if you've noticed, but but we've been kind of full, especially when the kids are in here, okay? Which means we had to rearrange and spill out front. We had to add chairs over here. Listen to me. I'm not sure where I'm gonna cram two Christmas trees. Some of you are gonna show up the day after we decorate and you are gonna be devastated because there's no Christmas trees there. I get it. But what am I more worried about? What should you be more concerned about? People coming to hear the gospel or seeing my Christmas tree up front. Listen to me. This is bigger than we realize. And Jesus tells his disciples, we are his followers. He says, Go. to the the people and tell them the kingdom of heaven is here and it is time. Move them from death to life. It does not get more critical than that. It it just doesn't get more critical than that. And so there are some ways that we can start staying in a kingdom mindset. I'm going to share these with you very quickly because otherwise there will be a massive revolt because the, the smell from downstairs is going to start coming up. And yeah, whatever. So we'll do this quickly. But there are some ways that we can stay in a kingdom mindset. One, communication. Your job is to communicate the gospel. Some of you are under the false impression that that is my job or Vince's job or the elder's job. But the reality is this is our job. It is our job to communicate the gospel. Look at Matthew 9, 35 through 38. This is right before Jesus sends out those disciples, right? This is like immediately, it's the same conversation. He says, hey, by the way, you go, you do this, you tell people about the kingdom, you you do these miraculous signs and wonders to validate the kingdom, okay? This is what he says before. He travels through all the towns and villages announcing the good news about the kingdom. He healed every kind of disease and illness, and he says to his disciples this, the harvest is great. That means there are people out there that are ready. They, you know what? You know why they're ready? Because the Holy Spirit has done its job. You don't save people. The Holy Spirit calls people to God. The Holy Spirit brings people to a place of repentance. And the harvest is great because the Holy Spirit is doing its job. The Holy Spirit is doing its job. So people are ready to hear the gospel. People are ready to follow God. People are ready to submit to Jesus. People are ready to have their lives changed. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. Look, we need to be communicating the gospel. That's what we're supposed to be about, is communicating the gospel. That's what we're supposed to do. So a couple of quick questions for you. Are you... How are you communicating the gospel? How are you sharing the kingdom? Do people around you know that you're a kingdom person? Or Monday through Saturday, do you look just like everybody else? How are you communicating the gospel? That's why I give you these cards. If you've ever seen these, There's a big stack of them at the Welcome Center. These are your invest, pray, and invite cards with spots for you to write down names. This is your your kind of contract with yourself, with God, that you know what? I'm going to be specifically investing in the lives of these three people that I write down on here. I'm going to be praying for them. I'm going to be inviting them, whether that's inviting them to church. Christmas is a great time to invite people to church this holiday time. Whether it's inviting them to sit down to coffee and have a deep spiritual conversation, whatever it is, but I mean, how many of you are using this? Thanks. A couple of you, a couple of you. There's no reason that you're not. Are Are you telling me that if you search your brain, you don't have three people who don't know Jesus that you could be investing and praying for daily and inviting, whether it's the church or into some spiritual conversations? I'm betting you do. Okay, It's a kingdom mindset. There's more. Let's keep going. Oh, what just happened there? There. We got a thing. Okay. Commitment, obedience, and preparation. Uh, There's a story in Matthew 25 about 10 virgins. Okay. And the 10 virgins are ready to go to the party it's a wedding celebration. They're ready to go and they're waiting for the bridegroom to come. There's some cultural things there about why they're not sure when the bride. It's not like they got an invitation that said six o'clock. Okay. It's one of those things where you wait and when the bridegroom comes, hey, party starts. Okay. You, you, that's just the way it goes. And so um, there's 10 virgins and they bring their lamps because it's dark and they're waiting and it took longer than they expected and five of them ran out of oil. They weren't prepared. They weren't fully committed. Um, And the other five had brought plenty. The five that ran out had to run and try to get some and find some. And while they were gone, the bridegroom came and took the five that were prepared and brought them into the feast. And the others were locked out in the cold. And Jesus tells us that the kingdom of God is like that that you want a place in the kingdom, you be prepared. That's it, that you be prepared, that you be committed. If you want a place in the kingdom, then be prepared and be committed to be a part of the kingdom. Let me ask you this. Are you committed? Some of you think that, uh, and this is, we've talked about this before when it comes to commitment, some of us think this, we think, well, we'll get ready when it's time. Like, Like, when the opportunity is out there, well, then I'll start getting ready for it. It doesn't work that way. You know what, what um, Aubrey is doing today, and some other fifth grade girls are doing this too. Um, they're running their 5K Soul Sisters. It's a thing that the Shellsburg Elementary School does, and a lot of the fifth grade girls signed up for it. And so they're they're running this 5K. And and it, it, I mean, us saying, well, we don't need to really get ready to be a part of the kingdom. We'll just wait, and then we'll you know when when the time comes, we'll just we'll kind of get on it. That would be like Aubrey saying, yeah, you know, I signed up for this 5K. No, I'm not going to practice. I'm not going to work. I'm just going to show up that day and try to run. What is a K anyway? How many miles is a 5K? 3.1? Because like the .1, I don't get it. Why not just three miles? Anyway, so 3.1. So it's like her showing up after no practice at all, showing up and saying, well, I'm just going to run 3.1 miles today. It's not going to work. But yet, there's the time, there's the investment, there's the practice, there's the getting ready, there's the building up. Listen, this is why we say, read your Bible. This is why we say, be involved in spiritual discipleship Sunday school, small group, mops, something. This is why we say, pray. Right? We do these things, that's getting ready for the kingdom. When you refuse to do those things, you're not ready, you're not prepared. You're making light of this thing that we've been given. Last thing here, kingdom mindset requires counting the cost. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. And in his excitement, he hid it again, right? He's like so excited to find this treasure in a field. It's not his treasure, right? So he hides it. And he goes and he sells everything that he owns so he can go buy that field and he can have that treasure. That's what what Jesus says. He says the kingdom of heaven is like that. It is so critical to your life. It is so important for who you are. It gives your life so much value and meaning that here's what you do. You sell everything to have it you get rid of everything to own it. That's the point. Jesus says this is the point. And you know what? Listen to me. You cannot stay in a kingdom mindset if you haven't sacrificed all for the kingdom. Question for you. How many of you felt that way about Christianity when you came to your faith? Like it was worth everything that you had. Some of you embraced that. Some of you, however have held part of yourself back. But we can't be sold out for the kingdom. We can't expect revival and we can't have movement if we're not willing to give everything. Listen. Things are only valuable to the degree that you're willing to sacrifice for them. Things are only valuable to the degree that you're willing to sacrifice for them. If it doesn't cost you anything, it can't be worth anything. That's the problem with some of our faith. See, there's two kinds of faith. There's an all-in faith. And then there's a better-than faith. All-in faith costs you everything. Better-than faith only costs you enough to be better than the other guy. See, and sometimes in the church, especially the American church, in the context of feel-good sermons and in the context of Snuggie theology, you know the Snuggies, right? It's goofy stuff. In the context of those things, okay, we've gotten this idea that our theology, that we just need to be better than We've talked about this before, I was having this conversation with somebody this week and it it just reminds me of these things, but better than, see better than um, is where it gets goofy, better than theology says, you know what, I can have too much to drink, I just can't be an alcoholic. You know, I mean, I I can have five glasses of wine as long as I can still get myself to bed and get up in the next morning, but I'm better than that person who's an alcoholic so it's fine, right? Right? I can have all kinds of sex outside of marriage I want as long as it's monogamous because that's better than the people that are having one-night stands. Better than theology says, you know what? I can watch pornography in my marriage because I'm not having an affair. I'm better than that. Or you know what? Better than theology would tell me, you know what? I I can... I can get away with coarse jokes or unforgiveness or snarky, nasty comments because I go to church on Sundays. So I'm better than those people that do that and don't go to church on Sundays. See, better than theology is problematic, but revival happens when I push everything into the middle of the table and I say, I'm all in. Whatever it costs me, I'll do. If we want revival, if we want lives changed, if we want Jesus to be known, if we want things to be perfect, it happens because we push everything into the middle of the table and we say, whatever it costs, whatever it takes, I'm in. Holiness is worth it. God is worth it. Jesus is worth it. That's it. That's how it works. You know, all in is a poker term. And some of you might be thinking, hey, that's too rich for my blood. I need to fold But some of you, some of you are prepared to push it all to the middle of the table and to say you're all in. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to close in prayer, okay? Typically, we would have the praise team come up and lead us, but but we're just going to stop here. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do, okay? No judgment from me. You come up here, great. You stay where you're at or you just head down, that's fine too. Okay? Some of you may be thinking, I'm already all in, and I don't need to do this. And some of you might be thinking, I want to be all in, but man, I really need another cup of coffee, whatever. We're fine. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dismiss. And if you are thinking to yourself, you know what? I need to make a commitment at this point in time to get myself all in. I'm just going to ask you to come up here. Everybody else is going to go down, get some food, do whatever. I'm going to ask you to come up here. And I'm going to ask you just to be here with me for a second. And I want to pray with you, and I want you to pray with me, and I want to pray for you, and I want you to pray for me. And if there's 20 of us, or if there's two of us, or whatever it is, but this is a call to be all in, to see what we're going to do. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. I love you, and I thank you, and I recognize that I am a sinner saved by grace and that I've been called into the kingdom, and the kingdom is worth everything I have. It may not be pleasant all the time. It may be hard, but God, it's worth my all, and it's so good to live in the kingdom. Father, I never have to wonder about my purpose. I never have to wonder about my whys and what's going on. I never have to wonder about when I'm sick or when I'm hurt or or, or when relationships are, are bad or anything like that because I know that in the kingdom I'm in your will. And whatever that is, whatever it is, whatever it looks like, whatever problems there are, that, God, you have those under control and that you will redeem them and that you will make them right because I'm in your will, because I'm in the kingdom, because I'm advancing the kingdom. Father, I'll take that comfort and assurance over everything else that the world has to offer. Father, I confess to you that I've, I've dabbled a lot in what the world has to offer, and it pales in comparison to living firmly in the kingdom. And I want other people to be there with me. Father, I want this city, the surrounding cities, I want them to acknowledge you I want them to honor you. Father, I want the gates of hell to collapse because of the advancing of the church. I ask you for those things. I trust you for those things. Father, we ask these things in your son's name. Amen.